Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before we start today, we would like to dedicate this episode to Allie Moore. She was a friend of the show and a true crime enthusiast who recently and unexpectedly lost her life. You are our official badass of the day, Allie. May you rest in peace. We all know the dark words, don't drink the Kool-Aid, and its unfortunate origins. It was birthed by a cult, and it showed just how many people can really be manipulated. Cults are also infamous for extreme idealisms, and even sometimes, abuse. The Ant Hill Kids is a story of a Canadian cult that became so extreme that their leader not only claimed to be a messiah, but abused the members and performed extremely gruesome acts upon them. For example, though he had no training and he was no doctor, he sure pretended like he was. My name's Ben. And I'm Nicole, and you're listening to Wicked and Grim, a true crime podcast. I'm fully disclosing this right now. This is part one of the Ant Hill Kids. Wow, you are too kind. Dude, I'm, I'm letting you know, <laughs> just so you don't like get all the way to the end of this episode. And I'm like, tune in next week for Wicked. And you're like, fuck, you know? Well, there is definitely one or two episodes where we have done that. Yeah, I know. That was kind of me. I've learned my lesson because there was recoil from that. And I was like, okay, maybe, you know, some notice will be nice. So, yeah, this is a part one of two parts. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a doozy. Yes, it is. Most certainly. We were actually, uh, we did a poll over on Patreon. We let our patrons choose the next case. We uh, put three different options up, this being mm -hmm. one of them. And uh, yeah, this one won by, by quite a bit. And there was a few people being like, oh no, the Antel kids. <laughs> Good luck to you. Yeah. So <laughs> here we are. Um, actually before, while we're talking about Patreon, I'm going to just get right in and thank the patrons that signed up this week. Sound good? Sounds great. Okay. So we had Renee Scott, Katie Stetler, Amelia, and Clay Swanson. They all joined up over on Patreon. They're getting the behind the scenes content, the extra episode at the end of the month, mm -hmm. all that good stuff. Good juicy stuff. Exactly. So thank you guys so much for signing up. We appreciate the absolute shit out of you guys. And even if you're just listening right now, we appreciate the shit out of you guys too. Don't think that we sure you're do. getting off the leash because trust me. Yeah, all are awesome. You. She's right. 100%. Um, My wine is also freaking amazing. Is it now? Holy heck. This is probably one of the best rosés I've ever had. Hmm. 
Don't, don't from, feed it to me because I might drink it all. It's from eight generation in, in, um, oh my Isn't gosh. Is Kamloops? Summerland? Is I think? it Summerland? Okay. You got to just try it. Just try okay. it. Okay. I did open a beer already prior to this episode. We did a little pre-show for Patreon, so. It's dang good. I'm going to have to read it. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding? <sighs> Actually, you're not too far off, I guess. <laughs> That's good. Dang good, eh? Yep. Sorry, I gurgled your wine. Yeah. My gosh. Do you want some friggin' Halloween candy while you're at it? Is there any left? No. Oh, okay. Or, you know, slurp your margarita. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> um, we we got to let people know a few things here. There is a little bit of extra stuff that we're putting out there into the world. <laughs> into the world. I into love the world. that. I love that. Well, it's true. That's what it's we're doing. true. For example... <laughs> You know how Wicked and Grim comes out with an episode every single Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. I am, am aware of that. Well, our other podcast, Fearful, is officially coming out with a web with a web. I was going to say webisode, an episode every single Wednesday now. So you can listen to Wicked and Grim every Tuesday and Fearful every single Wednesday. That's amazing. So there's currently ten episodes out for Fearful. Mm-hmm. But another one's getting uploaded tomorrow. Yeah, that's freaking exciting it right is. there. It's that's, super exciting. Yeah, wow. And not only that, do you want to uh, hit them up on our other platform? Tell them about what we're doing over there. Well, do we have set days really for that yet? No, there's not really set days for that yet, but. Okay, we, well, we, we do have, I, we've mentioned it before, but we do have a YouTube channel. It's called Wicked Life. Yep. It's pretty wicked, actually. You don't say. I do say. <laughs> and um, on there we have vlogs and we, well, am I allowed to, we're also going to be doing another podcast. Yep. I'm like, am I allowed to be saying yes. this? Yes, <laughs> it's in the works. It's going to be a little bit before it comes out because it will be a video podcast over there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got a few um, things to get lined up first, but yeah. Wicked Life podcast, vlogs are happening over there, just a whole yeah good stuff about our life and yeah because i mean our lifestyle it's a little it's a little different at times like we live in a tiny home um we quit the nine to five jobs to chase our dreams yeah so um like we have we both have businesses that we can kind of teach on from that aspect as well so there's like there's many a things yeah that can be on there it's gonna be pretty cool plus we have two huskies a black cat and eight chickens Mm -hmm. and those are definitely some source of interest in our lives and subject of a few vlogs. And I even like we live in Northern BC. What's yeah. Northern BC all about? Well, you know? there is definitely one video I want to do on YouTube where we talk about having a tiny home in Northern BC. Yeah. Because there's Wild. like none of that on YouTube of tiny homes in like the North. Yeah. So yeah, Wicked Life. Link is down below if you want to go check it out. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It is. It's pretty cool indeed. Real cool. Real, real cool. <laughs> well, we digress. Are you ready to hop into the anthill, kids? Oh, I don't know. I thought I was, and now I'm nervous. Are you sure? I'm a little nervous. Do you think you could take this one? I think I can, yeah. Yeah. Yeah? I do like cult cases. Okay, I'm well, lie. I'm going to just call you the little train that could, because I think I can, I think I can. <laughs> I didn't even clue into that. That's no. awesome. Okay, well, this is going to start off with an individual by the name of Roche Terrio, a.k.a. Moses. Moses. Yeah. Okay. So Roche was a very disturbed individual to say the least. Now he was born on May 16th, 1947 in Saguenay, Quebec, Canada, and led a life marked by uh, religious fervor, let's say. 
Um, not only that, but uh, delu- delusions of grandeur and a very twisted interpretation of biblical teachings. So he was raised in the Thetford uh, Mines, excuse me, a small city set in South Central Quebec of Canada. He displayed remarkable intelligence when he was young, but dropped out of school at the age of 13. And from there, he began immersing himself in the Old Testament, particularly the strict code of masculine authority it portrayed. Awesome. Lovely. Yeah, that's always fantastic to get that, you know, uh, good old strict masculine, you know, stuff in there from the good old days. Yeah, exactly what everyone needs, eh? <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, so Roche's troubled childhood was, he was, it was marred by abuse from his father uh, and fueled with obsession with apocalyptic visions and the belief that he was destined to lead a divine mission. Despite being raised Catholic, he converted to the Seventh-day Adventist Church in 1977, adopting their holistic lifestyle, their principles. Basically, they shunned alcohol, tobacco, and processed foods. Which, I mean, that in itself sounds fantastic. Yeah. Hey, living, I mean, except the shunning alcohol. Well, yeah, I was just like, but, that sounds fantastic to no, you. <laughs> the, the whole food sort of thing. The yeah. processed foods, you know. Yeah. The, the, the good foods and the booze. Because, I mean, good. it's not necessarily like alcohol is good for you so yeah you know Ex- yeah for sure but i mean even even jesus partook in some wine right mm-hmm. so just saying yeah they what do they say it's good for your heart <laughs> yeah sometimes well, i feel like one day it's gonna come back on us and be like no probably <laughs> uh but anyways uh roche's time at the seventh day church uh was short-lived due to the desire for leadership and leading to his expulsion from the church however he was undeterred He managed to amass a following, convincing his disciples that he was a savior chosen by God to rescue humanity from the impending evil that was the soon coming apocalypse. Now, the cult originally formed in 1977 in St. Marie, Quebec, with the goal to form a commune where people could freely listen to his motivational speeches, live in unity and equality, and be free of sin. And in all honesty, it's a very noble belief. I mean, based upon the group, you know, it sounds like that's a good way of living. You know what I mean? I guess. But this idealism wouldn't exactly last very long. Yeah, I'm like, this sounds like shit, actually. Something's going to go bad. Well, I mean, okay, what their target is, what they're trying to do, they can live together in a, a community where they can motivate each other, uh, live in unity with equality, be free of sin. You know, they're getting good ingestion of good foods, whole foods, no alcohol or tobacco. Like that yeah. in itself, that's a good way to live. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you step back and and if it's just that, but I'm we all know it's going to get dark. Yeah. If they <laughs> stuck to that, fantastic. But clearly this is a cult true crime episode. That's not what happened. They tried, but it didn't last long. So the original followers of Roche initially consisted of four men, nine women, and four children. Each of them were forbidden from maintaining any connection from their families and the Seventh-day Adventist church that they originally came from. Okay. So basically citing this as a violation of his cult's principles of freedom. Now they were to stick to themselves, and that's about it. And they, okay, well, oh, oh, I have a question, but I'll wait. I'll wait. 
Go ahead and shoot the question. I was curious if they're there. So they're at this point, they're there on their own free will. Oh, yes. Very okay. much so. Okay. Um, don't, don't say it. I know you're hesitating. Don't do it. I'm trying to figure out a way to say it properly without giving anything don't away. Don't give anything away. Technically speaking, throughout this whole time, they are all there on their own free will. At Techni all times. Technically speaking. Technically speaking. <laughs> okay. 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 That's that's what I'm going to say. Okay. Uh, Roche's dread of the impending apocalypse that we had already talked about would soon begin to intensify over the course of their um, developing of their group. He was convinced that God had forewarned him of the arrival of the apocalypse in February of 1979. So... Utilizing the commune as means of preparation, he relocated himself and his followers in 1978, the year before the apocalypse was supposedly to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, can you guess if it happened or not? I mean, we're 2023. Uh, so. Yeah, I th I'm, my best guess <laughs> is that it didn't. No, it didn't happen, but we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, they embarked on a hike to the mountainside that he dubbed, quote, the Eternal Mountain in St. Jogues, Quebec, nestled within the remote Gaspe Peninsula. So he fervently believed that this secluded location was where he could find salvation for himself and the group. There they would survive the impending end of the world scenario that was to come and that God foretold him of. So once they made their hike to this location, he picked the spot and Roche being the savior, the leader, made his commune build their little town on the mountainside while he basically just sat back and relaxed oh wow okay yeah fun of course he's probably most likely barking orders yeah you know he's like i want this made over here and do this over there i mean it's kind of fun watching people work when you're not working i guess true i mean i will like he was actually a skilled woodworker himself so when they're building these cabins and stuff like that he he knew how to tell people to construct this which i mean fair enough so technically he was just like supervising. He was, he was playing foreman and I think he really liked to play foreman. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way. Okay. Yeah. Now his vision and prophecy of the end of the world for the following year, of course, failed as we had already mentioned because, Hey, we're still alive here in, in 2023. Mm -hmm. uh, and his dedicated followers started questioning Roche's wisdom. But like anyone else who has unsuccessfully predicted the end of the world, he had excuses. He said that time on earth and in God's world were not parallel and attributed it to the miscalculation as there is a discrepancy between the Israelite and the Roman Catholic calendars. Oh, wow. Okay. That makes my head hurt almost. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what he's trying that's to do. That's the point. That's the point. Wow. Yes. Yeah, okay. so there's a discrepancy and they're not parallel between these two calendars and the God world and the real world. Shit. <laughs> okay. So therefore, it was a miscalculation. Okay. Basically what he's saying. And I'm sure that was the same sort of reaction he's getting from the followers. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I, he knows all, so it must yeah, make sense I to him. Yeah, I feel like they were probably a bit more convincing. Or like that they were pretty convinced. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because they already trusted him and believed him. Well, yeah, I'm sure they were, but they were convinced he knew what he was talking about. Because I guarantee you, they didn't fucking know what he was talking about. Oh, yeah. About. That's what I'm trying to But it to sounded here. smart and like educated. Oh, so, you know, definitely. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you can really make anything sound smart and educated if you really want. I guess I'm not very good at that, but yeah. I mean, you, for example, <laughs> you can say, I don't know, we'll, we'll pick a, a McDonald's, someone flipping burgers at McDonald's, right? Mm -hmm. So you, if you want to make that sound 
educated, fancy, sophisticated, you can say you are a nutritionist technician. Oh, okay. Like Nutri- as, the, as the job title. Yeah. I'm a nu- nutritional technician or something like that. Mm-hmm. There, there you go. Yeah. T- well, honestly, so many titles nowadays are so interesting because like, oh, what do you do for a living? And they 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 say their title and it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like you have no idea what the fuck that actually is. But you just throw fancy words at people <laughs> and it's like, okay, sure. They'll just, because they don't want to feel dumb. Lots of times they'll go with it. And I think he kind of preyed on that idea and just mm-hmm. threw out fancy words and they're like, gotcha. Yeah. You know? Hmm. So life within the commune, despite that hurdle, did begin to grow. And things were increasingly radical as Roche, quote, married multiple women and would father well over 20 children within the commune. Holy shit. Yeah. All while asserting his uh, godlike authority over them. Hate that. Yeah. Can't, can't blame you for that one. Uh-huh. The devotees lived in a secluded and precarious existence deep in the wilderness on this mountainside with minimal contact with the outside world. They did, however, resort to various means such as selling crafts and engaging in odds and ends jobs, um, basically just trying to earn money. Okay. You know, a little bit of money to keep their little existence, their little culture kind of going, right? Yeah. Um, However, financial struggles perpetually plagued the commune, leaving them teetering on the brink of survival. But they just did their best and kept chugging along. Well, I mean, look at how many mouths they have to feed. Yeah. Right? Definitely. There's there's not a small number of them. They're Mm -hmm. probably 30 to 40 people by now or so. So Roche, who is now going by the title of Moses... Oh, gosh. Possessed a captivating charm, much like many people in his position who are leading cults or are psychopaths, medically speaking, they generally have quite a charisma about them, and he was no different. And this allowed him to exert complete control over his followers, dictating basically their every move. Now, if anyone was ever found to be not obeying his words of rule, they would find themselves vulnerable to his various means of punishment. Oh my gosh. What was this punishments? Well, minor infractions resulted in physical punishments and beatings. Okay. Underscoring his absolute authority within the community. So Roche in his religion, he had an amalgamation of a lot of primitive ways of punishing, such as like just bullying, sexual sadism, and Old Testament teachings, in fact, were implemented. So despite the unconventional mix, he had always maintained his position as a supreme leader and messiah, rejecting any notion of equality whatsoever. So he's basically like, listen to me, you don't, you're going to be punished because I am better than you. I am the messiah. I am Moses. I know better. And yeah. That's just terrifying to me because I feel at some point you're probably just feeling like you're just in this, you know, you want to leave or you need to get out of there, but like you're in too deep, you know? Yeah. And I, that sucks. Well, let me tell you right now, they aren't in too deep yet. This is, they're just dipping their toes in. This is minor, right? To give you an example of some of the things that would become... Roche began performing surgeries on the sick and injured within the group. Basically, he's their doctor. He has zero medical experience or history whatsoever, but it did not stop him. Uh, For example, I mean, this one is in 1981. 
Roche would perform, quote, surgery on a two-year-old little boy named Samuel Guillory, who was experiencing difficulty urinating. So Roche took on the role of this sick doctor and decided he would slice open the child's penis to investigate and correct the issue. What? Yes. Now, of course, his, quote, surgery was unsuccessful and very painful for the little boy. It's not like they had anesthetic or anything like that. Oh, my gosh. And when the little boy continued to cry after the so-called surgery, Roche instructed one of his devotees, Guy Veer, to mercilessly beat the young boy, presumably in an attempt to stop him from crying or even in some twisted way of punishing him for crying. Regardless, Guy followed the direction of his Messiah, doing what he was told. Now, tragically, Samuel succumbed to his beating and injuries. In a desperate attempt to conceal the murder of the young two-year-old Samuel, Roche and the commune resorted to setting him on fire and burning his body to try and hide his death. Whoa, that does not seem like real life. This is very much so real life. This is what happened. That is so disturbing. And then I also feel like just listening to that, I mean, I, I have no idea, but that that could have also been his like son, potentially. It probably was. Yeah, which is just, whoa. Yep. An added level of just fucked. Yep. So after they burned this poor child's body um, because Roche blamed Guy for who carried out the beating for his death. Um, Roche decided to punish him. Seriously? So he castrated him. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Okay. But he was the one that literally ordered him to do that. Correct. Okay. But he blamed him for it because he killed him. And he's so only, he castrated him. He's only been in school, like he left school at 13, you said, right? Correct. But yet he's like a doctor. He's basically play, he's playing a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Then, after castrating Guy, he then compelled his followers to fabricate a story, claiming that Guy had been trampled by a horse, in case anyone had asked. Like, that's how it happened kind of thing? Yes. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't really fucking make sense to me. It's like, oh, I was trampled by a horse. My balls got cut off. All right. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense because you would also have a little bit more damage too, I feel like. Yeah, probably. Just a bit. Yeah. Despite their efforts to conceal the truth on what really happened, law enforcement began to catch wind of the abuse and police raided the commune. Okay. And they discovered the charred remains of Samuel. They didn't even like hide that, eh? They didn't even hide this shit. No, not really by the sounds of it. So Roche and along with eight others faced arrest and charges of criminal negligence causing bodily harm. This is where the story should have ended. Mm -hmm. However, we are far from the end of this story. Wonderful. Astonishingly enough, they were all eventually released. Now, I couldn't find exactly how long they were in jail, specifically Roche, but following these events in 1984, Roche and his loyal followers relocated to a community near Burnt River, Ontario. So we are talking only three years after this event, he is out and still leading the group. Okay. Of course he is. Yeah. So here he continued his tyrannical rule over his commune with now a total of 26 children, most of whom were his own. In this remote location, the commune once again built itself a small township comprised of cabins with, you know, Roche sitting back saying, hey, build this, do that. And some tents and that sort of stuff. And once they were here, they tried to kind of blend in with the small local townships nearby. So they began producing maple syrup, preserves, bread, smoking fish. And they sold these items just kind of, I'm assuming like farmer's market style things or trading back and forth, whatever right. they needed to do. Basically just trying to sustain themselves and to maintain a facade of some sort of normalcy despite the horrors that had transpired and the new horrors that were beginning to already unravel okay so it's almost as they're starting over kind of thing yes and trying to just fit in and and not bring attention to themselves that's exactly what they're doing okay they're like hey we're gonna go a province over we're gonna start this thing again and we're just gonna like blend in like no one knows our history and who we are and all this sort of thing and what we did so yeah <laughs> Yeah. Act casual. Your like little hand gestures there were funny. <laughs> Sorry. Should, you know, like, act again. casual. Woo. Yeah. We're fine. Uh, Though they were trying to act casual, because trust me, they certainly were. Uh, it was here that the whole hard labor that they were putting in on like this mountainside, that Roche began to actually compare them to ants working on an anthill, thus giving birth to the cult nickname anthill kids okay i mean most of the commune at this point is kids yeah they're like ants on an anthill anthill oh kids gosh. so they're just yeah putting kids and everyone to work eh? basically now initially the commune managed to integrate seemingly well within the community you know act casual but roche began drinking and oh. alcohol consumption escalated very quickly what the shit i thought that that was a no-no it was but he don't don't forget he's messiah he's moses oh yeah the rules don't apply to him exactly okay uh and so with his drinking and the rules not applying with to him not only did things escalate quickly but so did the level of violence within the group violence began to escalate extremely quickly 
His increasing dependency on alcohol became a catalyst for heightened aggression, leading to him to assert control over his followers through cruel and dehumanizing methods, worse than before. The followers, weakened both physically and mentally, found themselves basically trapped, unable to break free from their supposed messiah. Though they were technically free, they really weren't. Well, they kind of, this was, I mean, they relied on him and this group, right? Correct. Yeah. So that's, that's hard. Well, it will, I'm about to explain some stuff here that really shows how they were free, but they weren't. Okay. 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 So Rosh's rules were strict before, but now they evolved into something even worse, making his rules before look rather lenient. Honestly, he would prohibit his followers from speaking to each other without his explicit permission or even having him present. They were not allowed to talk unless he said they were allowed to. So basically he has to be there for it. He also began to organize, quote, gladiator tournaments forcing his followers into a dirt ring to engage in brutal fights for entertainment. Oh my gosh, for his entertainment. He also became increasingly paranoid about what followers were thinking of him, and his violence only escalated as a result. What became or began as a physical assault using belts soon evolved into more sinister form, using hammers and the flat side of axes for beatings. Oh, wow. Yeah. Can you imagine getting struck upside the head with a flat side of an axe? Well, I mean, like that could actually kill you pretty easily. Oh, you bet, bud. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, for sure. eh? Yeah. (laughs) The atmosphere within the commune, I mean, understandably turned increasingly volatile. Uh, It created an environment for fear submission and further pushed Roche's hold over his whole commune. People were just terrified. They didn't know what to do, but all in the same sense, they literally wholeheartedly believed he was the Messiah as well. Hmm. That is just like, I can only imagine that's just like a complete brain. It's a literal, literal brainwash. Yeah. Is 100% what's going on here. Yeah. So if he ever did suspect that any of his followers were beginning to think of leaving, this is where I'm talking about where they had freedom. Right. But but, they didn't. But they certainly didn't. That's when things would get really serious. For example, some would get uh, binded with rope and then he would hang them from a ceiling and he would begin to defecate on them while they were hung helplessly. Oh, that is disgusting. Others were made to prove they were loyal simply because Roche had a suspicion of their loyalty. They were made to take a sledgehammer to their own hands, their own legs even, and rain down on these legs, these bones until they broke to prove to them, to prove to Roche that yes, I'm still loyal. So basically Roche is like, I think you're going to leave. Here's a sledgehammer. Break your leg and prove to me you you don't want to run. That doesn't even make any sense. I know. Because like, I mean, like, I get the concept he is saying. He's like, you are wholeheartedly dedicated. Prove to me you don't want to run, so break your own legs. However, that is so fucked up. Yeah. Are you kidding me? It doesn't make any sense. And then now he's just going to have all these injured people. Yeah. And not only that, if this person did actually want to run, they're, they're either like, I have to break my leg or this guy could potentially kill me or do worse to me. 
Or what if this person didn't even want to run and he just suspected it? Now this person has to break their leg to prove that they are loyal. Well, because especially, too, if he has a bit of a a drinking problem, I mean, lots of times I feel like you make up things or think things when they're not really happening when you're, you know, drinking, right? Yeah. So he's probably paranoid and and it wasn't even that way. Oh, he was getting very paranoid because (sighs) he was he was drinking and he's thinking what his followers are thinking of him. And he's yeah, he's he's just getting out of fucking control. Mm -hmm. Now, others were made to sit on top of a hot stovetop. What? They were also made to shoot each other in the shoulders. Oh, gosh. Then they would smear feces in each other's open cuts and wounds. What the? They were also made to even cut off each other's toes with wire cutters. Or even eat their own feces. Gosh, this is way too much. All of this was used as a form of punishment and to prove that these individuals were still loyal to the commune and to Roche and were not intending on running. I'm sorry, but also like the infections and stuff that must be happening there. Like these yeah. people have to be severely ill, well, some he, of them. He's clearly trying to, to get them sick and ill. Rub shit oh, in, your, in, in your open cut. Gosh, this is too much. It's, it's too much. It's fucked up. It's way too much. This, like, uh, how does someone even think of these things? He's a sadist is what he is. Yeah. He is getting off on the torture of these people. (laughs) He is a 100% psychopath. I guarantee it. I am so uncomfortable (laughs) listening to this and, like, want to leave so bad there's mail on the counter. I'm like, oh, maybe I should just start opening the mail. Can you imagine? (laughs) Nicole's just going to read our credit card statement. I'm going to disassociate myself from this. I mean, honestly, I can't blame (laughs) you if you want to disassociate from this. Because this is fucked up. That is just nuts. Yeah. I mean, Roche, he really didn't draw the line, like, anywhere, basically. It seemed like whatever he could think of to put these people through, I mean, apart from killing them or each other, he would make them do this for his own, honestly, his own amusement, though he said it was to prove loyalty. No, it's his own fucking amusement. No, there, that is not proving anything. No, it's not. It's, it's proving that he has a serious problem. Yeah. Now, remember, this commune is comprised mostly of children at this point. Right. The children of the commune were not exempt from any of these horrors. If they needed to be punished, then so be it. If they needed to prove themselves, then they would need to prove themselves. Sexual assault was also not out of the question either. Again, including the children. Wow. Now, as if things haven't been bad enough, this part gets me the most. The kids, if they allegedly misbehaved, now what Roche considered misbehaving, I'm not too sure. I'm pretty sure it could be fucking sneezing in the general Mm -hmm. vicinity at this point. Yeah. Um, The kids would then be held over top of fires. And at times they would even be stripped completely nude and then they would be nailed to trees while the rest of the children were instructed to throw rocks at them and stone them. Whoa. I cannot begin to imagine the absolute terror of enduring that as an adult, let alone as a child. No, there's no coming back from something like that. Really? No. Fuck the person who put anyone through something like that. Yeah. Any of this shit. 
it's so hard to listen to stuff like this because it, it seems like, oh my gosh, like run away, like get away. But I know that it's just, it's so much more complicated than that to, to get out of these situations. It really is. Well, I mean, there, there's Stockholm syndrome, for example, there's not only Stockholm syndrome, but you're fully believed that this is your savior. Yeah. You're fully believed that this is a Messiah. There is your religion behind this. It's a full belief in that there's not having anywhere to go, not having anyone else to rely on. Well, I mean, too, they're kids. They, they, they may not even know any different too. This is just the way that the world is. Yeah. In their eyes, it totally could be right. Yeah. Now imagine being one of the adults in this commune too. Say you are a mother with probably say three or four or five kids in here. Mm -hmm. You, the best place you think is in the hands of someone who's going to save your life, your Messiah. That should be the person you can trust your kids with. Yeah. And if you can't, then who else can you trust? Holy like this is a heck. whole mind fuck. Yeah, this is just, I, it's very hard to even think about anyone being in a situation like this. It's, it's just completely devastating. And you're out in the middle of the woods too, right? It's not mm -hmm. like you can just knock on your neighbor's door. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you're also fearing for your life because gosh, if he's capable of these things, what else is he capable of? Yeah. Now, one particular event, a member of the commune group did the only thing she could to try and keep her child safe from Roche. He was in the middle of a particularly violent outburst. So to save her child from potential violence, to say, mm -hmm. she placed the baby outside. So it was out of sight, out of mind. Okay. Okay. The only problem was it was in the dead of winter and in the midst of a blizzard the baby would succumb to cold and oh, did freeze. Oh, seriously? Yes. Oh my word. That is um something. I don't it, even know how to feel about that actually. It's heartbreaking. A mother trying to save her child from oh, danger. God. Inadvertently put it in the path of another danger. Yeah. She did the only thing she 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 could. felt she had she yeah the ability to do to save this kid which yeah. literally just proves how helpless these people are oh my gosh this is i don't like this brutal so following the tragic death of this infant an investigation was prompted in 1987 and 14 children were removed from the commune and placed into foster homes okay that's something Although this intervention could have marked the end of the abuse, it revealed a, starking, a stark reality. The children's aid primarily focused on rescuing the children rather than seeking any sort of justice whatsoever. So they just were focused on, let's get the kids out of there, and that's it. That's kind of odd, though, because you also think if kids have been treated poorly and have been in danger all this time, that there needs to be consequences of that. Yeah. But there wasn't. It was just like, get the kids safe, which is good. It, that's good. It is good. But also like there's another step to this. Yeah. There should be reprimandation. Yeah. But consequently, the commune persisted because there wasn't reprimandation. And so it was now no kids. It was just adults left with two men and eight women. And Roche seemed to once again up the level of abuse and torture within the group oh, with the children goodness. taken away. 
And also these people, I mean, I'm sure a lot of them, the moms and stuff are just heartbroken because their kids are got taken away from them. Oh, exactly. Right? Yeah. Now, I mean, so you're going through, you're, you left your entire life, okay? Mm-hmm. You, the church you were at, the people you knew, your family members, everything. You left all of that to follow an individual who you believed was going to save you. And over the course of the last decade, birthed your children, forced you into abuse to hurt each other, your own children, other people you loved and knew, made it so you couldn't talk to not only people outside the commune that you supposedly knew before, or sorry, that you did know before, but you're not allowed to even talk to people in the commune that you're supposed to know now. And everything, literally everything in your world that you know and rely on is this sick fuck yeah that controls every aspect and now the one thing you did have the one fucking thing that maybe brought you some joy the one warm hug the kiss anything from your child that you did have gone because of this fucking piece of shit wow gosh i can't believe that more wasn't looked into that it was i mean i'm thankful the children got removed but there there's a little bit more pieces to the puzzle here well we've been talking recently on a few different episodes on failed justice systems basically oh, you don't say and i think the last one was canadian as well yeah not mistaken so yeah that fucking sucks yeah, maybe maybe it's not so desirable here, but no, I mean everywhere has issues with this sort of stuff. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um. So with all that taken into account, with everything they've gone through so far, this is where we're going to end the episode today. <gasps> I was like, I'm like, no, no, there's a bit more to go here, but okay, you're doing it. This is this is the best place to end it. I did some more research through it. This is where we're going to stop it from here. <sighs> okay. Okay. I mean, yeah. You look pissed. I am pissed. <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the only one because it's just like I feel like we're just really getting into this and I got questions that need to be answered. I'm not promising your questions will be answered. Cool. But I'm promising to deliver the information as best I can. Of course they won't get answered. It's a Ben show. It's a Ben? <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? You always do ones that don't answer my questions. But you just have questions I can't answer. I feel like I mostly pick a case based on if, if it's solved and if like I can sleep at night knowing, you know. Well, actually, no, that's not true. I've done some doozies too. Never yeah, mind. You have. Never mind. You like your your cannibal cases. You know what? You have done more cannibal. I bet you if we went back and counted, you have done more. No. I I um I if anyone has some spare time out there, I bet you anything <laughs> that Ben has actually done more cannibal ones than me. No. Okay. No. You 110%. Are you going to you want to put something on this? You want to bet this? I don't know. I <laughs> see like, you're not confident. I'm not 100% confident, but I'm like pretty confident. Well, you're not confident enough to wager. So, yeah. I think you've done more. Uh, maybe I'll make time for this. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I'm like 99.9 repeater percent sure you have done more cannibal cases than me. I don't know. I mean, I do like a good cannibal case. I don't know what that says about me, but I do. Yeah. I did do one recently. 
with like the, it wasn't like technically he didn't murder the guy really because it was like a you know the online thing where they met up and he's like yeah I'll, I'm yeah but and i eat. can think of two other ones that you've done too off the top of my head. oh so i've done three total where you've probably done like 30 probably not i bet you maybe i've done three as well no you've done more than three i'm pretty sure you've done like three in a row i don't know <laughs> yeah well i'm gonna find another one anyways <laughs> this is just a little marital dispute that you will literally find in the description of this podcast so <laughs> just just forewarning you we we have written it down that this will happen <laughs> oh um, but if you want to hear more marital disputes we will we'll talk to you next time on wicked and grim you can well go. yeah if you also want to hear part two of this which you do yeah trust me you're gonna to want to hear the rest of this um also all the links to our socials are down below you can find our new youtube videos the youtube link is down there we're posting stuff with our tiny home with chickens or our wicked life just things that we're doing you'll be able to find the link down there um we got patreon we got instagram facebook the whole shebang yeah, we got it all. Yeah. How do you spell shebang? Shebang. Oh, that, that, that answered my question. I have no idea. <laughs> well, thank you for being here, guys. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this one and uh, we'll see you for part two next week. Until then. Stay wicked. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.